In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Forgiveness and freedom go hand in hand. Forgiveness and freedom go hand in hand. So much of what we witness in our daily lives might not attest to this. In fact, we often create scenarios in our minds that if we just push through, if we overachieve, that we are, if we are the best, if we work very hard and just keep looking forward, that as the song says, nothing's going to stop us now. This is certainly something that we are taught culturally from a very young age. We believe that our freedom and our autonomy is ours alone to cultivate, achieve, and I dare say, conquer. But this is an illusion. Freedom without forgiveness, whether that be giving or receiving forgiveness, is a myth. I'm wondering how many of you have seen the show Ted Lasso on Apple TV. It starts with this premise. A woman named Rebecca Welton wins a professional British football club. We know this sport as soccer. She wins this professional British football club as part of her settlement from her ex-husband in her divorce. So to get back at her ex-husband and all that he has put her through, Rebecca purposely hires an American football coach. That's the sport with touchdowns and fumbles. Rebecca purposely hires an American football coach from the Midwest, Ted Lasso, to come to England to coach the Richmond United Soccer Club. She wants Mr. Lasso to fail so miserably that the team will go bankrupt and that her husband's football powerhouse can be completely destroyed. She believes that her ultimate happiness and freedom is based on getting rid of that football club and her ex-husband's empire that's tied to it. But things don't go exactly as she has planned. True, Ted Lasso arrives in England and fails miserably at the beginning. But as he begins to build a team and build a community around the football club of people who genuinely care for each other, Rebecca realizes that she has acted out of malice, especially towards Ted Lasso whom she has previously written off as a buffoon, but now he's a friend. And so there's this very compelling scene after a big victory that Rebecca musters the courage to to tell Ted Lasso exactly what she has done. So when Rebecca tells Ted what she has to say, Ted, who is often who often talks too much. The very talkative Ted Lasso is stunned, speechless. How cruel, how inhumane, how mean-spirited of Rebecca Welton. But the show does something that no one who is viewing it expects. Ted forgives Rebecca. 
He sets her free from her cruel scheme. He forgives her completely, without reservation, without condition. He forgives. It's a scandal to the TV viewer because our culture doesn't operate this way. There's a tremendous drive to win at all costs. The ego must be preserved. Those who are determined must win. This is a scandal. Forgiveness can be a scandal because forgiveness and freedom go hand in hand. Think about this parable that we hear from Jesus today. The younger, not the older, but the younger of two boys demands his inheritance early from his father, forcing the father to sell part of his ancestral land and give the funds to this younger son. The young man leaves his homeland, lives up the good life, or so he thinks, and eventually crashes and burns. He's left with nothing. And so he decides to go back and beg to be hired by his family as a servant. His idea is that he'll be able to live and survive better as a servant of his family than as a free and autonomous human being in a foreign land. So off he goes. But the story tells us that even while he is still very far off, his father sees him and is filled with compassion. His father decides to run his way and even does more than that. He clothes him once again as a member of the family, puts a ring on his finger denoting belonging, and he even gives him a new pair of shoes on his feet to show him that he is still free to move about freely as he pleases as a totally free man. A feast for his arrival awaits. A reunification party begins. But the older brother is furious. He's always done everything right. He's pushed himself harder to achieve, to cultivate success, to conquer the world, and to be the overseer of his father's land and livestock. He has done everything right. And this brother who has squandered everything he was given, is the one who is being celebrated. It isn't fair. It's a raw deal. It's not what we want to happen in the story because it wasn't first century culture, and sadly, it's still not ours either. But it's exactly what Jesus wants to happen in the story because God really can forgive us that much. Because our perceived freedom isn't really freedom when we live in a vacuum, disconnected from others, pursuing always our own self-interest instead of the interests of the greater community. And it goes further to show how even when people haven't messed up their lives at all, like the older brother, that human resentment, human resentment is real. And forgiveness is still needed within. It's a practice in ourselves and as a family 
a practice that has to be cultivated in order for everyone to truly be set free. Yes, forgiveness and freedom go hand in hand. The season of Lent asks us to examine our lives, to look at everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But we are not being asked to do, we are not asking Lent to condemn ourselves. We're asked instead to find renewal in our reality, to find renewal in our lives as they are. Lent's purpose is to guide us to seek liberation from everything that's narrow, maybe our thoughts and things that are superficial, so that we can find an abundance of an expansive world, an abundance of life, which is Christ and the kingdom of God. Father Richard Mew Benson, who was the founder of the first religious order in the Anglican Church, the Brothers of the Society of St. John the Evangelist, Father Benson writes this, Anyone who tries self-sufficiency in the spiritual life soon falls prey to illusion. Anyone who tries self-sufficiency in the spiritual life soon falls prey to illusion. Our freedom as human beings is absolutely contingent on cultivating and living out a spirit of forgiveness. And when we do this, we will see the kingdom of God right in front of us. So Lent asks us, are there places in you that feel broken? Are there parts of you that know a sadness that no one else knows about you? Are there things in your life that stand in the way of you embracing fully the love and belonging that life with Christ in the kingdom of God promises? This parable wants to help us think and journey through this. Are there times in our society where we act out of vengeance instead of forgiveness? What about when we're as a country or a state or a church or a denomination or catapulted into the world stage because of an incident or a crisis or some other kind of event? Do we find ourselves leading from a position of complete forgiveness or something else? Leading from complete forgiveness? God does. Always. God's property is always to have love, to have mercy, to forgive. Always. We hear glimpses of this in our Sunday liturgy through a lot of different things that we pray week in and week out. But we hear it most in our tradition. Believe it or not, we hear this resoundingly when we spend time praying in our prayer book using the service of confession or the service that the prayer book calls the reconciliation of a penitent. The very last thing that a priest tells the one who confesses is this. I'm going to invite you if you want. It's on page 451 in the prayer book. Page 451. Page 451. So the very last thing that the priest tells the one who confesses is this. Now there is rejoicing in heaven, for you were lost and are found. 
you were dead and now are alive in Christ Jesus our Lord. Go in peace. The Lord has put away all your sins. This is exactly at the heart of today's parable. We're given freedom to be exactly who we are because God forgives everything. Literally, God takes it like a box of stuff and puts it on a shelf and puts it all away and never looks back. When we are forgiven, our sins are gone and nothing stands in our way of full and complete living with God and one another. Imagine what our lives would be like if we actually believed this. Imagine how we would interact, how we would be, what goals we would set for ourselves if we really believed this. When we can ultimately cultivate an ongoing practice and an ongoing culture of forgiveness in all that we do, we could truly thrive in the most perfect freedom imaginable. This is absolutely possible for all of us. Is it easy? No. It's not easy at all because it's completely countercultural. But we can start by creating this culture of forgiveness, making this congregation, making Trinity Cathedral a space for us to know that we are found by God, that God finds us when we show up here to make our homes where we live, to make our homes places of welcome for our friends when they're battling sorrowful times, to make our community gathering spaces, you know, places where we play sports or work out or, or we have uh, discussions or we hear lectures in the university setting, to make our community gathering places sources of God's light and God's love and God's restoration, helping restore the entire human family, this is absolutely possible. It starts by us seeing and experiencing forgiveness from God and from one another, and by leading from the standpoint of forgiveness in everything we do in the world. People may be scandalized. This is different. This is very countercultural. But people will start seeing and discovering a sense of freedom that they, knew, they never knew that they had. And God's work in the world will be accomplished through you. Jesus teaches this parable today because the power of forgiveness is real. And it leads to the most ultimate freedom imaginable. So now it's up to us.